Hey, it's Kim Commando today, your daily podcast to keep you up to date with all things digital and beyond. And I'd love to have you be a part of our podcast. You can make an appointment to speak with me. Just head over to commando.com and on the top right, there's a button that says email Kim. Fill that out and that's it. So, you know, we've been hearing a lot about smart glasses. You remember Google Glass, right? Well, I mean, Google Flash in the pan, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Snapchat glasses. Yes. Never caught on. Oculus. Though people have those. Yeah. Barry has a set of those. Okay. And, you know, they are kind of cool. Uh, Apple's Vision Pro. Right. Okay. They are now hitting the streets. Well, there's a new one. It's called the Riz GPT glasses. So here's how it works. So you're, you're on a date. Okay. And you put on these glasses. Right. And let's say somebody says something when the, maybe the girl says something and you're like, oh, I don't know how I should answer that. So she says, you know, do you really like me? And you're like, ah, right. Well, what you can do if you have the Riz chat GPT glasses on, it's going to listen to the conversation and then it's going to tell you what to say. Inside the glass, I can just read it right there. Yes. I do really like you. You are a beautiful (laughs) woman. And they also released an app. Too. Okay. So you can have the app running on your phone. I got Riz. I don't need these glasses. No, it's on the app. So what you do is you can screenshot your text conversations and then the GPT will tell you how you should be responding. I mean, you know, I mean, you're not having a lot of luck in the dating department. You don't have to bring that up. I just thought like this point that out. This might be something you might be interested in doing, like getting on your phone. I'm not worried about it. Okay. Well, you use the word Riz. You have Riz. So now you have to tell everybody what Riz is. Charisma, baby. Yes, we both have Riz because after Ooh. all, it's Kim Commando today. It's your daily fun podcast about everything digital. I'm Kim Commando, America's beloved digital goddess here with you once again. And then, of course, Andrew Babinski is here, too. So I have a story of a, of a murder, unfortunately, involving two professional cyclists. It's already been to trial. We already have a conviction. 90 years is the sentence. But uh, authorities have released some details on how technology was involved in the case. And it's kind of interesting. Oh, and speaking of tech, I'm going to talk about Elon Musk. Oh, yeah. Because he did the first neural brain implant. And then speaking of your brain, do you still play Wordle every day? Uh, not every day. Maybe like twice a week. But I know there's a new game that I just found that's really cool. And everyone's playing it. But if you if you don't, we're going to tell you what it is so that uh, you can be cool too and get the Riz. I'm not really... Um, I'm not really good at the new game. No. I tr- are you? I get three all the time. I get three of the, the groups and then, or I'm sorry, I get two. And then when I'm going for the third, I get stuck. It doesn't work. No, but I'm really good at the uh, mini crossword. <laughs> the New York times mini crossword yes. puzzles. I can get it done in like three minutes. That's awesome. Okay, that's because you're so smart. And I just use that to get the ladies. I can do a mini crossword <laughs> puzzle in three minutes. I'm sure that brings them in. Oh, there's a line around the door. I bet. You're such a liar. Yeah. All right. So here's the deal. We need two things from you. Number one is that if you're watching us, we want to make sure that you hit that big old share button, right? So share it with just one person right now. If you're watching it live or on demand on, I don't know, Facebook, Twitch, uh, X, YouTube. YouTube, Rumble. I mean, the list goes on. We are just live and on demand everywhere. And then you can also get us as a podcast. So if you prefer that, if you just want to take us on your walk, that would be really important. Now, I do want to say something here at the top because I, uh, I have to stop saying stay where you are. I'm going to tell you more about that. Just you have to stop saying stay you where have you to, are? Uh, yeah, yeah, I do. I have to stop saying that. I, I got to a read this. Oh, yeah, letter I, from a listener. Yeah, I'm going to talk about that. All right. Oh, okay, before we get into that, I'm super excited. Oh, my gosh. On the Kim Commander Today listener line right now. Yes. Okay. Is we have a real honest to God hacker. 
Okay. What do you what do you think of when you when when you say like the word hacker? Obviously, I think of someone breaking into secure online agencies or programs or companies, taking all the personal information and then going to sell it on the dark web. And then, of course, hunched over a keyboard. Yeah, they have to have a hoodie on. Yes. There you go, like that. Wearing sunglasses, even though it's dark in the room. And then they go, whatever they do, they go like, oh, yeah. and then the password's like, boom, in. <laughs> Yes. Yes. <laughs> or they're, they, you know, something's happening in the background and they only have one more percent to happen before that password is hacked. And then they do it. They always get it. Yes. Well, his name is Tommy DeBoss. And now he has turned his life around, though. Okay. After facing prison four times mm. as a black hat hacker. And now he's one of the, what they call them, bounty hunters, ethical bounty hunters in the world. Um, so Tommy's now joining us and he has exploited... Thousands of big names for cash, they say. Yahoo, X, Uber, the U.S. government. You're admitting this? You're yes. You're admitting to doing all of this? Yes, sir. <laughs> okay, hey, wait, where's the hoodie? Where's yeah. The- oh, so I actually just took it off oh. right before I got onto the video. It's a little cold in my house, so I've been wearing a black hoodie all morning. But I tried to go against the stereotype of all of us wearing the black hoodies, so I had to take it off before going Okay. Back. Okay. So tell me, tell me. So what was what was like the first hack that you did? Uh, National Guard bases computer system from South Carolina in 1993. What were you trying to do? What was the goal by hacking into the National Guard? To see if I could do it. Okay. Um, so back then, everybody was on dial-up modems and everything, and. If you got a phone call or you needed to get off your computer, you disconnected from the internet. It was never, it wasn't always on the way things are now. So back then we would break into systems at universities, military bases, companies that had dedicated lines into their facilities. So they had an always on internet connection before it was available for people's houses. So we would break into them so we could run programs that wouldn't get turned off when we shut down our oh, desktop we didn't have laptops back then <laughs> so so how how old were you then Ooh, nine years old no wow yes that's insane <laughs> that's how easy it was in the 90s though back in the 90s when the internet was still in its infancy most things weren't uh designed to be secure. People didn't put security thought into building anything just because it was something extremely brand new. I mean, most people weren't thinking about the fact that somebody would want to break into it. Aside from the military, you would have thought theirs was a little bit better secure, but it wasn't. So once you got into there, what kind of nefarious things would you do? What kind of programs were you running? He's a nine years um, old. That's why I'm so nefarious, curious. <laughs> nefarious stuff. I wasn't really doing nefarious things when I was a black hat. Like I didn't steal people's identities. I didn't steal money. I broke into them and I changed their website that says, ha ha, I did this and you couldn't stop me. Oh, and wow. That's about it. And then I would also, um, I spent a lot of time on IRC in the nineties and we would have, um, channel wars between each other where we were trying to take channels from, uh, a channel was a chat room. And um, there's administrators and then normal users. If you're an administrator, you control the room. You can ban people, do whatever you want. And we used to like to take rooms over from other people if they were really popular rooms. So we would build botnets, break into a computer, run a bot on their computer that would connect to the FNet IRC server and join our botnet to help us take over chat rooms. So instead of like toilet papering trees or anything. It's basically the, the digital version of doing graffiti. Yes. Essentially, that's all we did. Yeah. Um, there were uh, 
they used to, or I don't know if I'm allowed to say the word, but we were called media whores back when I was a hacker because we would break into a website and then there were um, defacement mirrors. You could contact them and show them the URL and then they would either use a bot or themselves and they would validate that, yes, you de did deface it. And then they would like save a copy of it oh. so that it, it's still out there now. Zone-h.org still shows defacements from the early and mid 90s all the way up through people defacing them today. So we would submit it to Zone H. Back then it was called Aldas, A-L-L-D-A-S. Uh, we would submit it to them. Then we would start emailing the news, like wow. CNN and all, everything like that. Just so it'd be like, so it was like we just broke into. So it was just like whatever. These, so it was like you were getting like publicity from all this. Yeah, essentially. But it kind of sucked back then because we couldn't use our real names. Oh. Like uh, they wrote a book about us in 2001. I think it was called a guy named Dan Burton from Government Technologies Magazine. I don't think that's around anymore. But he wrote a book called Confessions of Teenage Hackers: A Hacker's Diary. And chapter five is about the hacking group that I ran at the time, World of Hell. And we couldn't tell anybody our real name. So it was just our aliases because at that time we were active and we didn't really want to get caught. OK, so so you go from being nine years old. Tell, then what was like the next big thing that you did? I mean, like where where we would sit back and you're and like you did um, it and you're like going like, dang. I don't know how well, I did I it, but I got into in. the state government. Um, I had this little period in 2000, I think it was, where I set like my own challenge to break into the state government of every single state in the U.S., at least one of their systems. And I started out, I'm from Virginia, so I started break, uh, first by breaking into the Virginia Department of Informational Technology and defaced our website. And then we started breaking into the websites, we just went down the list of each state. And once we got into it and we changed it and move on to the next state, we freaked out a lot of people in Texas because we had broken into the Texas state lottery website and everybody's swerving down that their bingo and their uh, mega millions uh, lottery tickets, the mega millions was going to be hacked and it couldn't be trusted anymore. Uh, we had access to DMV in Utah. So that when we got pulled with some with a fake ID, you could actually run our ID and it would come back as being a legitimate ID, real information in our picture. But then we would just have to throw the ID out after that. We were going to Las Vegas for DEF CON in the late 90s at 15, 16 years old with IDs that had us at 23, 24. So we could actually gamble and get rooms and all of that. Stuff. Uh, of course and they would did. actually work in a casino because if you ran the ID through a check to see if it was valid, it would come back and it would show our picture. And it's like, well, if Utah says that I'm 22 years old, who are you to tell me that I only look 16, you know? So, so now what did you do that, that almost landed you in prison? Well, not almost. I went to yeah. federal prison. Oh, he did. Three times. Oh, I went to juvenile prison once and federal prison three times. Um, I went for unauthorized access to government military computers and computers that control interstate commerce. So you there was to, a small, go ahead. You went to prison, but you never profited on this. Yep, I didn't profit at all. I went to prison the first time was two and a half years and they banned me from touching computers for like a long time. I came home from prison in 2006 and I was on probation. Um, I didn't touch a computer for about the first 30 days that I got out. Then I got bored. So I started getting on the computer again and, uh, that time I did go back to hacking and then they ended up, uh, I filled a bunch of drug tests um, while I was on the probation and uh, 
they didn't care about any of that. But then one day my probation officer showed up at my house and he saw a keyboard laying on my bed because when I saw him pull into my driveway, I tried to take my desktop computer apart and hide it because I wasn't allowed to have one. But I forgot to put the keyboard away. And because there was a keyboard sitting on my bed, he violated me on my probation and sent me back to prison for a year. Um, well, it wouldn't have been a year if it wasn't for the failed drug test. They added some extra time for all of those. So I came home again in 2008. And that time I was out for about two or three months before I started getting on the computer. But that time I didn't go back to hacking. That time I just started playing games on the computer and I got an Xbox. Uh, I think it was an Xbox 360 at the time. And I started playing. And then in October of 2009, a girl that I had broken up with got mad and called the FBI and said that I was breaking into banks and stealing money and using my Xbox to hide the traffic. So they watched me for a couple of months, rented the house across the street from me, photographed every person coming and going, took my trash every time I put it out for the garbage collector to collect it. They took it so they could go through it. And after watching me for a few months, they couldn't get any evidence on me. So they raided me again in October. I think it was like October 9th, 2009 and uh, sent me back to prison that time for a year and a half. And their goal that time was to put me in prison, have all my electronics so they could build a case against me and then convince me to just plead guilty. Now, what were the, what were the, char times, what were the charges at that time? They didn't actually tell me. They told, So one of my original co-defendants from World of Hell had apparently gone back to Black Hat Hacking and they swore up and down that I was working with them. Okay. And I wasn't. I was just playing video games. And um, they, the thing that I argued with them was every time they came at me, like once they actually got to my house and was like, OK, we know you're doing this. I didn't deny it. You know, like anytime you know, they came, it was like I accepted responsibility for what I did. And that's why I was so angry. That time, it's like, yeah, I violated my probation by having the Xbox on the computer, but I wasn't doing anything illegal aside from possessing those items because of my probation. And uh, about four months into that prison sentence, the FBI actually came and uh, saw me and apologized because after going through all of my electronics and seeing what I was actually doing on the computer, they saw that I, I was telling them the truth. I wasn't doing anything. So naturally, I asked them if that means they were going to let me out of prison. And they told me, no, I still had to do the time because I got caught with the computer and the Xbox. Yeah. But they did. Um, they did do me a favor. They killed my probation that time. So when I got released uh, uh, November 3rd of 2010, they ended my probation and my restriction on a computer. So I was allowed to get a cell phone, a game system. I was allowed to go to college now because I could actually touch a computer. And that was it was worth it. Like I would have done the 18 months in prison just for them to remove the computer restriction alone, like without them having to try to put me in prison for something that I didn't do. So, so, okay. So you get out of prison. Do you go, but what do you do? Did you get a job? Did you go back to school? I tried. Hmm. I tried to get a job, but yeah, uh, for the felon. first three years, for yeah. the first three years, nobody would give me a chance because I not only was I a felon, I I was a felon for being a black hat hacker. And back in 2010, 2011, everybody had the same thought that he had when they mentioned, what do you think of as a hacker? Somebody breaking into systems and stealing information. Uh, it wasn't until about 2014, 15, 16, when people like Bug Crowd and Hacker One came around that actually started showing that some hackers, well, the majority of hackers are on the good side, if you give them the opportunity to, you know? So now we've got the bug bounty community where 
companies invite us to break into their systems and then they pay us a reward for showing them how they can fix it to prevent malicious actors from being able to exploit it and steal all the so, information. So how do they, how do they invite you to do this? I mean, do they just say, Hey, come um, on out. <laughs> you know, I mean, here's a honeypot. Uh, <laughs> it depends. So you've got some that run what's called a public bug bounty program. And if it's a public bug bounty program, Anybody in the world can go and sign up for an account and start hacking. And then if they find something, report it to them. But then you'll also have private programs where a company might say, we're a bank and we can't let everybody in the world try to hack us. But we're willing to let your 50 most trusted hackers try and hack us. And then they'll directly invite a certain number of us and provide us credentials sometimes or just give us stuff and then let us hack on it. And then you have other times where I've got a couple of companies that have emailed me directly and they run a bug bounty program, but they've invited me on to like their Slack or their Microsoft Teams and given me like my own special room to interface with their developers. And when they have new features that are about to come out or a, a big new rewrite of the front end, they'll send me a message in 30 days before it goes out. I'll start hacking on it so that I can try and help them prevent bugs from actually making it into their production with the public bug bounties is it a race first one that gets it gets the prize yes that's the that's the downside when it comes to bug bounties is um say all three of us are hacking on the same program whether Mm -hmm. it's a public private or whatever and all three of us find the same bug Whichever one of us submits it first is the only one that's going to get paid. It doesn't matter if you submitted it one second before him and I did, you would get paid and we would get nothing. So it's uh, you've got to manage your time. Uh, I personally try to look for vulnerabilities that are critical or high severity. Um, and that's because traditionally companies have to fix those like for a critical bug. The industry standard is normally 24 to 72 hours that that has to be fixed from the time it's discovered. The likelihood of me finding a critical that somebody else has found because it has to be fixed so quick is a mu- it's much smaller. So it's if I find it, odds are it's going to be. I'm going to be the one getting paid, you know, whereas if you're submitting a medium bug, that's going to take 90 days to get fixed. Well, a lot of people could find that bug in 90 days. So, so, so tell us about some, some of the bugs that you have found. I mean, and I saw a number, $2 million. Yeah. Um, that's on one platform alone. I've made over $2 million on the hacker one platform and um, Yahoo, uh, or I guess now they're Actually, they might be back to Yahoo. I, I think I know they, it gets so confusing a lot, but uh, <laughs> they represent about one point nine million dollars of that uh, for a couple of years. So I've been hacking Yahoo since the mid nineties. Um, I used to spend a lot of time in games on Yahoo and in Yahoo Chat, and as a result, I used to hack their systems to get an advantage in the games or to get accounts and things like that. So I know who the winner is again. Sixty four and oh oh my God, Tommy, he's amazing. <laughs> so good at Scrabble. <laughs> <laughs> and then um so they were actually the one that gave me my first bounty as well back in uh March of 2016. And uh the main bug that I find for them is something called server side request forgery. And that's where I'm able to make your, their websites uh, send requests uh, like on my behalf that I can control and see the results of. And you would use that so that you've got a public website, kimcommando.com. And that's like your public website, but you've got it connected on the back end to some uh, a database server, maybe a mail server and just various other servers that are all not public. They're all on the private network. 
well, if I found an SSRF in your website, I could use your website to send requests to those internal servers. And traditionally with a lot of companies, internal systems aren't given the same priority when it comes to patching and keeping things updated. They use the argument that, well, this is only accessible internally. It's only employees can attach attack this. So it's not that big of a I, I just I just want to say right here, they're all patched. Okay. Tommy, don't even look. <laughs> no reason. You don't have a bug bounty program. <laughs> no, no, everything's everything's fine. Everything's fine. But but it, do you think that is or, or what is the what is the most common mistake that people make that allows people like you to get into their systems? Is it not patching the systems? It's not staying updated with patches. It's like the, is what are called zero days. That's a vulnerability that the uh, developers of the software don't know about. And it's been zero days that they've known to make a patch for it. And the, Zero days aren't used to hack like the vast majority of people. You have nation states that use zero days to break into cell phones and everything, but those types of vulnerabilities are so valuable and expensive. They're not going to burn them unless they really want access to somebody. But for the general users, it's because they didn't update their browser or they didn't update Windows since that's what most people use. And that in and of itself is a problem for a lot of times, but um, it's, that and password reuse. Um, I know it's annoying, but people need to get into the habit of using different passwords on different sites and rotating their passwords. Like, I don't agree that you should change your password every 90 days. I feel like that's just asking for you to remember too much or to end up just making them yeah. weaker because you're just going to start adding a one or an exclamation or something like that to the end of it every time it forces you to change it. But um, subscribing to a website like Have I Been Pwned from Troy Hunt and monitoring for when your email address gets uh, leaked is also something that can be super beneficial because then you'll know um, like when it comes to most emails, you can use aliases. So if you're going to go sign up for Disney Plus, you can use like Kim plus Disney Plus at KimCommando.com. And that way, if that email pops up in a data breach, you know exactly what site it came from. And then if you have only one, uh, if you have a password for that specific uh, service, you only have to go change one service and not 15 different services. Because the problem is if I use the same password for all of them, yeah. now if any of those websites get hacked, they get it. And then these attackers, they're not going to stop from hacking that one. They're going to get all of your information. Then they're going to go try it on every other major platform they can think of to see if maybe you use that same information there and their end goal was to get somewhere that has access to your bank accounts or credit cards some so that they can defraud you have you ever been approached by a company that says hey we need you to find our vulnerabilities and you're like nope sorry there's nothing you're perfectly secure you're locked down there's no such thing as perfectly secure <laughs> <Yeah>. uh <laughs> it's just the nsa and the israeli Mossad prove that with the um vulnerability that they snuck into the Iranian uh, nuclear facilities back in 2008, 2009. Um, but there's there's just no such thing as a 100% secure. It's just because it's secure this moment doesn't mean it's going to be in five minutes or five hours or five days, because just because the vulnerability hasn't been found, it's going to eventually be found. Well, yeah, this is all great stuff. One last question, but I'm going to ask Andrew first. Okay, Tommy. So Tommy's known by this. 
How would you pronounce it? Okay. okay. D-A-W-G-Y-G. Doggy G? <laughs> You're the first person that actually pronounced it right on their first drive. Most people say dog YG or something like that, but it's doggy G. <laughs> Does this mean I'm accepted into the black hat hacker community? <laughs> no, you don't want to be a black hat. Black hats yeah, are want, the ones that go to prison. You want to be oh. a white hat. Oh, oh yes. my God. He's wearing a black hat. Hackers that are the good guys. Gray hat are the guys that do some of both like they'll do bug bounty stuff but if you piss them off they'll break into your system and ransomware you and then black hats they're not even going to pretend to help you they just want to go and steal data and make money no <laughs> so you want to be a white hat hacker fine oh my gosh hey tommy thanks unless for you want to go hide in russia oh, okay russia, i'll be, you be you've convinced hat. me i'll be a white hat <laughs> okay. hey tommy thanks for being here appreciate you sharing no problem, everything's going on thank you Wow, you know, a hacker, no a nice hacker. You're very nice. Doggy dog. What was it? <laughs> Doggy G. Doggy G. <laughs> you read it and you didn't even get it. I know. It. You knew the answer. <laughs> you know, what I meant to ask him, darn it. What? Is that, you know, when the feds were knocking at his door, did he ransomware? <laughs> I thought we were going to get him out of this segment without a joke, but you snuck it in there. All right. So um, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're talking about Elon Musk and Neuralink. And then also you have the story about the murder and the cyclist in Costa Rica. And technology. And technology. And I can't say stay right where you are anymore because uh, Ryan Beardall yeah. sent me this note from Orem, Utah. And he says, hey, Kim, I was listening to Monday's podcast when you said stay where you are. Right. And went to commercials. Well, I slammed on the brakes as fast as I could, and I waited until the show resumed, and the cars behind me got really upset. She means mentally. <laughs> mentally stay where you are. Stay right where you are. If you're in your car, <laughs> keep going. Thank you, Ryan, for your note. Let me tell you about a revolutionary new mobile voicemail app. If you've got a business... Your voicemail is probably filled with messages from customers. Often the messages don't contain all the details you need. But what if you were able to get visual information from your callers? That's something you can't do with a traditional audio voicemail box, but you can with Fillmore Productions Video Voicemail. With Fillmore Productions Video Voicemail, callers receive a link to download the mobile app. There they can view important details about your business, watch videos about what you have to offer, and then leave you a video message. Actors and musicians can showcase what they do, and callers to medical practices or repair shops can report their issues visually. There are so many things that video voicemail can do for a business that makes audio voicemail a thing of the past. Discover what video voicemail can do for your business. Visit GetVideoVoicemail.com. That's GetVideoVoicemail.com. That's GetVideoVoicemail.com. Hey, welcome back. It's Kim Commando today. Just a quick reminder, if you have not already, make sure that you enter to win a brand new PC or Mac. It's valued at $1,000 and it's your choice. You can say, hey, I'm a PC or hey, I'm a Mac. And you can enter to win right now over at commando.com slash win. That's K-O-M-A-N-D-O.com, commando.com slash win. All right. So Elon Musk is having a new nickname on X. Which would me? Is it Doggy G? <laughs> no. Okay. Franken-Musk. Ah, makes sense. Franken-Musk. Uh, this past week, Musk announced that at Neuralink, they did their first brain implant with a BCI 
You know what BCI stands for? I do, but just tell everybody else that doesn't know. <laughs> you don't know. No idea. <laughs> Brain-computer interface. Well, that was pretty easy. I could have taken a shot at that one. It's called uh, telepathy, and it's really designed to help people who are uh, paralyzed so that they can communicate with a device. I think this is amazing technology. I think this is really something. And so they're not saying a lot about the person who got it, uh, but I'm sure they're going to be making the whole media circuit oh, at some point. But they say it looks like it's an initial success. So basically you get this brain implant about the size of a quarter that uh, communicates with a computer outside that will communicate with an app. So you just have to think oh. about whatever you're thinking about. How? And I understand the what. I don't understand the how. How does it work? I don't know enough about the brain or cell phones and computers how, how, how? It says it just decodes the patient's thoughts into digital movements on a device. So it's actual physical brain pulses? Yes. Uh, it involves creating a small opening in the patient's skull, they say, using a surgical robot to implant the device into a specific area of the brain that's responsible for controlling movement. It's so smart to figure that out and then actually accomplish it. It is. You know, I went and I saw a brain surgery happen. Okay. Uh, I was in charge of the local Boy Scout troop, and one of the dads was a brain surgeon. Oh, I thought that's what you picked as like the Boy Scout trip. That was. was. The, you took the kids to the yes. brain surgery? Yes. Wow. It was really amazing. So what, what I thought was fascinating is that the gentleman who was getting, I don't know, some tumor taken out, is that he was a musician from Spain. And so when they were trying to figure out which, you know, how to take the tumor out is that there, he was laying down on the table face down. Okay. Okay. And then underneath, sitting underneath him was a woman. And so she would talk to him and say, you know, say one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. And then he'd say one, two, three, four. And he couldn't remember that five, six, seven, eight. And then they would note like that was a place that they shouldn't touch. Oh, wow. And then she would play the guitar. And were she, they putting pressure on it yes. or manipulating yes. it somehow? Yeah, it was so amazing. And then she, she pulled out a guitar and she was underneath playing and asking him what chord she was playing. And he would say like, you know, B, G, then you go. And then he'd be like, okay, no, that's a bad spot. So fascinating. Trial and error. Yes. With your skull open. Yes. So that's uh, Neuralink. I think this is amazing. Now, a lot of people on the internet are upset. Why? Uh, because they say in all the experiments to get it to this point that 1,500 animals were killed. Okay. And so- That's important to you. I get that. Yes. But how about the fact that someone who has no arms or legs is going to be able to advance and do things they never, they possibly never thought was possible? They say this totally would have changed Stephen Hawking's life. Absolutely. Yes. So, normally- I get it though. I get it if that's something that you'd So now if you, you see reference to Elon Musk, Frank and Musk- now you know. That's why. All right. Tell me what you got. Uh, so a couple of years ago, there was this story of a love triangle it involved two professional cyclists and a jealous girlfriend. And what had happened was uh, the two professional cyclists were dating the girlfriend and the other and the male professional cyclist. Uh, they were on a break. So it's, they were broken up. He wasn't cheating, but she was not happy. Her name was no. Caitlin Armstrong. And she had followed them to a swimming pool where they were exercising and swimming. And then he dropped her off 
Mo Wilson, the victim in this story, he dropped her off at home, and minutes later, she was shot in the head and killed. The woman, Caitlin Armstrong, then got on a plane and flew to New Jersey, had a false passport, and flew to Costa Rica. Sorry, Costa Rica. Oh, and that's where she went. Didn't she get like plastic surgery or something? She did. She cut her hair, she dyed her hair, and she got plastic surgery. When they arrested her, since she had the bandage on her her nose, she said she was in a surfing accident because they found her at a hostel in Costa Rica where the technology comes in. And she was found guilty 90 years in prison. Where the technology comes in is they were trying to figure out how did she know? How did she know where the two cyclists were? Swimming, out to dinner, and then back home. Well, Mo Wilson, the professional cyclist, would track all of her exercise on a fitness app. And she was following her. And was she using Strava? She was. <gasps> oh, I didn't know that. So she logged the swimming. The boyfriend logged the swimming. Then they went to dinner. She knew where they were swimming, found them there, followed them to the restaurant, followed them home. But how'd they catch her? She spent six weeks in Costa Rica. They were using cameras in Costa Rica. They were using police in Costa Rica to try and find her. They could not track her down. They knew she was into yoga. And so they placed an ad on Facebook looking for a yoga teacher. And she applied and was arrested, sent back to the United States, and then years later convicted. And now she's in federal prison. Correct. For 90 years. The rest of her life. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Yeah, uh, but, but they used a the, Facebook app. Yeah, the, but the Strava app, I didn't know that. No, you didn't know that part? Uh-uh, I did yeah. not know that part. That's, um, how they, that's how she found him. And then the Facebook ad, you know. Social media, man. <laughs> there you go. All right, so I don't want you to stay right where you are. No, that's awful. That's that a bad awful. word. That's now a bad word on this show. It's a bad word. But coming back, uh, we're going to talk about how you can keep your documents secure. You have a great tip too, don't you? Do I don't. You don't. Okay, then I have a great tip about keeping your documents secure. Uh, you don't want to miss it. And later on, we're going to talk about Wordle. So, you know what? Hang with us. Let me tell you about a revolutionary new mobile voicemail app. If you've got a business, your voicemail is probably filled with messages from customers. Often the messages don't contain all the details you need. But what if you were able to get visual information from your callers? That's something you can't do with a traditional audio voicemail box, but you can with Fillmore Productions Video Voicemail. With Fillmore Productions Video Voicemail, callers receive a link to download the mobile app. There they can view important details about your business, watch videos about what you have to offer, and then leave you a video message. Actors and musicians can showcase what they do, and callers to medical practices or repair shops can report their issues visually. There are so many things that video voicemail can do for a business that makes audio voicemail a thing of the past. Discover what video voicemail can do for your business. Visit GetVideoVoicemail.com. That's GetVideoVoicemail.com. That's GetVideoVoicemail.com. Hey, it's Kim Commando today. So thrilled that you're here with us. And uh, just a quick reminder, if you haven't been getting our newsletters, sign up over at getkim.com. Once again, that's getkim.com. Andrew does not get the newsletters because he's waiting to be the one millionth person to get the newsletters. Holding off. And it's going to be any time now. I have multiple people on watch in this building. The minute they are one away from one million, I am ready to sign up. Boom. Go. Okay. And it's free, by the way. Absolutely free. Maybe I could get Tommy to hack the system. Hmm. 
boost up the numbers so that I could become the 101 millionth member right away. So do you um, keep any personal documents on your computer? Of course. Okay. Absolutely. Do you ever worry about like the kids going on your computer, reading your stuff, looking at stuff or not yet? No, they're too young. They're, they, they have no interest. They don't not at all? No, but most of the stuff I have that's personal is on and a cloud service in a folder that's password protected. Okay, that's good. So they would have to do some extra work to get in there. See, a lot of people will keep like their diaries, their financial documents, tax documents on their computer. And then, for example, the kids will come on and they'll start nosing around. Or they're afraid, like even the grandkids will come over and get on the computer. So if you have, this is, my, this is like where I have a great tip. You're, you're going to want to do this. That if you're using like either Microsoft Office or Google Docs is that there's a, uh, there's a help button. There is. And then you could just say like password protect this document. And then you can put a password on it. You can get just the exact that single document. Yes. Um, but it's what you want to do is select the option that says encrypt with a password. Okay. So this kind of goes like extra level. So like maybe Tommy wouldn't be able to get into it like the first time. No, take him 30 second seconds time, instead of two. Time. Um, okay, here's the difference. For Microsoft Office, a person can't open it or view the file contents without the password. Right. Okay. Uh, Google Docs does this, but it also encrypts the files as it travels from Google servers. So uh, either way, the, the thing that you want to do is always select encrypt with a password. So with a password. Now, if I have the documents on Dropbox in a folder, uncrypted, but the folder is password protected, is that enough? Uh, yeah, that's good enough. Okay. That's good enough. You know, but, but, you know, you just have to wait until, you know, Francis gets a little bit older. Right. Because then he's going to be going through your stuff. I'm just saying. I mean, because. My like, little baby? Yes. He's going to be going like, hmm, let's see. I wonder what this note from my teacher says. <laughs> I wonder if dad got a note from my teacher. I do have my email fully open sitting there on the computer. It's going to happen. All you need is the, the front page password. It's just the same password as my phone because I'm an idiot. Now, there are some passwords that you should never use. Okay. Like one, two, three, four, five, six. Password one, two, three, four, five. Okay. Or password. Or let me in. Yeah. That's a good one too. Yeah. That's a good one. I mean, a good, bad one. Okay. Or beef stew. Beef stew. Why beef stew? It's not strong enough. <laughs> you just fell right into that. I did. <laughs> thought we were having an honest conversation. <laughs> I didn't think I was walking into a punchline. All right, uh, still in common, we're going to be talking about Wordle and connections and how I'm not really good at it. Maybe you will be here on Kim Commando today. Let me tell you about a revolutionary new mobile voicemail app. If you've got a business, your voicemail is probably filled with messages from customers. Often the messages don't contain all the details you need. But what if you were able to get visual information from your callers? That's something you can't do with a traditional audio voicemail box, but you can with Fillmore Productions Video Voicemail. With Fillmore Productions Video Voicemail, callers receive a link to download the mobile app. There they can view important details about your business, watch videos about what you have to offer, and then leave you a video message. Actors and musicians can showcase what they do, and callers to medical practices or repair shops can report their issues visually. There are so many things that video voicemail can do for a business that makes audio voicemail a thing of the past. Discover what video voicemail can do for your business. Visit GetVideoVoicemail.com. That's GetVideoVoicemail.com. That's GetVideoVoicemail.com. 
Okay, it's Kim Commando today. Just a quick reminder, if you have not already, make sure that you go to commando.com slash win to enter to win that brand new $1,000 PC or Mac, your choice. I can't win it. Andrew can't win it. Can't? You don't get the newsletter. Oh, that's that's <laughs> fair. Well, also, you are an employee. All right, know. two strikes. Okay, that's it. Uh, commando.com slash win. So, Wordle. Wordle's no longer cool. Not? No. Remember during the pandemic, everybody would be wordling. You'd text your wordle to your friends. You'd post your th- your answer up. Um, Absolutely. You'd have all the colors, the green and the yellow, and how fast you got it. Connections is taking over. Connections on the New York Times is the new, hot, popular game show. This is how hot and popular it is. I was listening to a sports show, a sports talk show, and they did about five minutes on connections, then they pulled out the game and did it on the air. I, yeah, I was thinking we should do that. We're, we're running out of time today, but we but should try that. With it would be tough. Maybe in, maybe with Allie, we could pull it off. She's smarter than me. Um, but what you get, you get 16 different words, and each of, four of those words go into a category. There are four categories, four different levels, from easy to hard. But the thing about it is the New York Times is intentionally trying to trick you. So there will be <laughs> multiple connections that can be made that make sense. And so you, you're like, Oh, I got it. These, all these four, these are all the shape of a, of an octagon. No, that's not it. You're wrong. You get four misses, which I think is very generous. Yes, very nice. Uh, but everyone is playing it. It's the new thing that everyone getting shared. I got connections. Today. Did you play today? I did. Okay. I beat well, it. I did not. You didn't beat it today. No, I got the, the four newspapers. Okay. Okay. And the four shapes of a croissant. Well, crescent. Or yes. whatever, crescent. <laughs> croissant. Well, croissant was one of the answers. Um, and uh, then I then I just, I didn't get the rest. I don't remember them all, but I did beat it. And then I went directly to the mini crossword puzzle, and I beat that in three minutes and 15 seconds. See, I think that's the trend. Because instead of sitting here playing Fortnite mm-hmm. or uh, World of Warcraft or whatever it may be, that your Grand Theft Auto, when new one's coming out, which I'm, everybody is so excited about. Looks amazing. It does look amazing. Um, but you can just play these quick games. Well, that's the thing too, is when you pull out your phone and you want, you need to fill five minutes. You know, if I'm standing in line in the grocery store and I need to fill just five minutes, I'm not going to get in some involved game, but these ones are quick. Do you play on the toilet? Well, it's time to break again. <laughs> of course. You know, Use your phone in the toilet? Everybody does. Everyone does. I mean, you know, I mean, but, you know, so I always thought about this, that, you know, I play Wordle on the toilet. Okay. You still play Wordle every day? Yep. Oh, good for I do. you. I do. Although today's really hard. I haven't done today's. Maybe I'm going to try to figure it time. out. But I like it because you can eliminate your vowels and your bowels at the same time. <laughs> Again, I thought we were having a real conversation. <laughs> I was going to ask you what your starter word is. I don't care now because you're awful jokes. It's, well, you have a uh, chair. I'm not looking stare. at you. Don't want to do. know. <laughs> <laughs> Toilet is not a five letter word. Bowels and bowels. <laughs> it was good. That was good. All right. Uh, I think that wraps it up for today. That's it. We're over. We're done. Mm, you know what? That was really interesting. I've, you know, I've interviewed Tommy before. Oh, had you? Yeah, he looks, he's so familiar. I, I do remember speaking to him once, uh, years ago. Okay. When, oh, I think when I was doing the Bloomberg show. You know, what's great is that since we've started this podcast, all the great guests have been great. They've been either unique and interesting people, and if you watch every podcast, you know what I'm talking about, or they've been normal, interesting people. 
<laughs> Which if, you know, if any of you see a story and you're like, wow, you know, you guys should talk to this person, uh, send us a link to podcasts at commando.com. Once again, that's podcasts at commando.com. Maddie will track them down. Yeah, she is. Madini, I call her. Madini, like Houdini. She's just amazing. Anyway, thanks for being here. Leave us um, some great comments wherever you are watching or listening and uh, share us with a friend or even somebody you don't know because I don't know. Yeah, share with an enemy. Yeah. That's even, that works too. It's just still a share. Well, because then, you know, you're getting like good karma. Or you could be, you could build a better relationship with someone you don't like that through the Kim Commando Today podcast. And stay right where you are. This program is a copyrighted production of Westar Multimedia Entertainment and protected by the copyright laws. Any rebroadcast or use of this program for commercial, business, economic, or financial purposes without the written permission of Westar Multimedia Entertainment is strictly prohibited.